Alright, hello and welcome to the second episode, that podcast with your host, that guy, LJ Sullivan. What's up, everybody? Episode 2, how we doing? Um, So it's actually been a little while since I recorded episode 1, real time. It's been a few weeks. Uh, I think before um, episode 1, or or during episode 1... I believe I mentioned that uh, I was going to a comedy festival soon, and this is after that comedy festival. So let me let me just get you guys all caught up on what's been going on with me, man. I had a lot of cool stuff happen, and I'm I'm excited to talk about it, man. Let's just get into it, you know. So, you know, uh, I think I mentioned I had a comedy show right before I was getting ready to go out to Portland. I had a comedy show out at this place called Crescent. Um, crescent brewing and had a comedy show and the way this comedy show was set up man was uh you know it was an open mic all right it's an open mic but at the end of the open mic somebody gets to do 20 minutes somebody gets booked to do 20 minutes every week at the end of this open mic and uh there's a tip jar at the open mic and if the audience likes what they hear they put some money in the tip jar now I was broke as fuck getting ready to go to Portland. Broke as shit. Really hoping, really hoping that this tip jar would get full and I'd walk home with a decent amount of money to go to Portland with a good amount of money. Um, How much money did I walk home with? $26. Walked home with $26. uh, That... It, I don't think I even got to use that $26 in Portland. Uh, it was used before I even got into That was used on, like, gas to get to Portland, I think. It was, yeah, man. It that's, Look, I should have known not to hedge my bets on that. And really, I didn't. I didn't hedge my bets on that because I, I made sure my day job paid me uh, before I left. Uh, I left it day before the usual payday so i just went in and talked to them like hey man let me get this a day early um and they they're cool my day job's cool so you know they gave it to me early so i had some money going into portland which was good man because uh man portland was dope dude okay so here's the other thing before i get into like how dope fucking portland was um I think I also mentioned in the last episode, it was like, I felt like a little tickle in my throat. I was like, oh man, if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, and that tickle developed into a full on like fucking problem. Like, like two, three days before I was supposed to be on the road to Portland, I was, I was sick, man. I was fucking sick, dude. You might still be able to hear it in my voice a little bit. I'm recovering now. I'm on like the tail end of it, but, uh. Yeah, man, I was sick, like, fever, chills, fucking, couldn't, like, my throat was swollen and a motherfucker hurt to swallow and shit, and, and I was real worried, so, like, I, the day, the day I was, not the day, the night, like, okay, so, the day I was supposed to be leaving that night, um, I ended up going to the doctor, like, to make sure that it's not strep throat. Luckily, it wasn't strep throat. It, it was something else. It's some sort of lesser infection, bacterial or viral. We never really learned. Well, 
my money is on it was bacterial because homie gave me some antibiotics. I told him, I was like, hey, man, I'm getting ready to go out of town for this comedy festival. Uh, and he was like, well, what if I tell you you have strep throat and you can't go? And I just looked at him like, that would be very unfortunate, um, which I think he knew meant that it didn't matter what the fuck he was about to tell me that I was taking my ass to Portland. I wasn't going to let anything get in my way of going to Portland. It was just a matter of knowing what the fuck I was dealing with on my way to Portland. Uh, luckily, it wasn't the super serious shit. It wasn't streptococcus. Um, so I was cleared to go, and I got some antibiotics. I was popping that shit the whole way. Um, luckily, I don't think I got my travel partner sick. I think she walked away clean. Um, so, you know, all in all, that was pretty good. But this is like, this is like what I was saying with like the juice of the podcast, like the shit, um, the shit that like really, I feel like y'all should be hearing this shit regularly, real time. Like I was broke I was sick, and I was still dragging my ass to Portland. That's just that's just the life, man. That's like what I have signed up for as a comedian. I was like, like it sucked. Like it would have been more ideal to be one hundred percent full health. But I knew in my heart of hearts that like this is what I, this is what I've signed up for, man. This is what it's about, you know. No matter what, you show up for the show, you show up for the gig, you make it happen. Like, that's, like, people think being a comedian is all just fun and games, and there is a lot of fun and there is a lot of games, but at a certain point, it is work too, man. You gotta show up. You gotta show up no matter what. Like, uh, you know, there's some perseverance, there's some diligence to be had to this shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know. Yeah, man, Northwest Black Comedy Festival out there in Portland, man. It was a great experience. It was one of the best experiences I've had in comedy to date, man. Uh, first of all, I got to do comedy outside of my home state. Uh, got to go into Portland, do some comedy, um, which is always... So, here's the thing. When you start out doing comedy and you're in your hometown... You're not necessarily sure if you're just hometown funny or if you're like universally everywhere funny. And so that's why it's good to get out someplace different and go go see, go talk to different types of people and stuff. Um, so that, that was cool just in and of itself. But uh, the other really cool thing about the festival, man, like... Like I said, it was the Northwest Black Comedy Festival. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm black. Uh, actually, I'm mixed. My mom's white. My dad's black. Um, and so there was just a bunch of other black comedians. bunch of other black comedians. And here's the thing, being black and living in an area with not a lot of black people in it, uh, when you get around a lot of black people, finally, it's like it, it rejuvenates your soul. It fucking puts you back in contact with your people, man. It's I don't know how to fully explain the like just the such the positive vibes that you get as a black person when you've been deprived your culture and then you just dive neck deep into it. Um it was great, man. It was fantastic. And I got to see Portland. I've been to Portland one other time. I went to Portland uh, when I was uh, younger, looking at colleges and stuff, 
Um, I actually got accepted into the University of Portland. Fun story. I got accepted, um, but I never went because that shit was too expensive. Um, I got expect accepted into other schools, um, and I went to the one that was actually like the most affordable, but still out of state. Is was my first move. Um, anyway. Portland was dope. We did the Voodoo Donuts thing. I feel like that's obligatory. You go to you go to Portland. You gotta hit up Voodoo Donuts. We did the Pock Pock thing. I feel like obligatory. You gotta go get you some Vietnamese wings, uh, or not Vietnamese Thai. They Thai. It's Thai food, right? Pock 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 is Thai food, right? Um, you know, so you had to go down there and get some wings. That was fun. That was fun. And then uh, I was traveling with my homie Reese. Uh, she's a real good comedian. Uh, if any of y'all get a chance to check her out, Reese Samuels, uh, look her up. She's a real funny individual. Um, and she loves to read, man. Uh, I noticed, like, while we, because we was on the road and stuff, and, like, uh, whenever she had some downtime at, like, the place we was staying or on the road, she would, she would, uh, break out this big, thick book to start reading, um, and so I knew I had to take her to Powell's Bookstore. If y'all don't know what Powell's Bookstore is in Portland, it's like the biggest bookstore on the planet Earth, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I think they might, someplace might have, like, outshined them in that regard recently. Like, I think somebody might have tried to build an even bigger bookstore. But this is a big-ass bookstore, man. This is a big-ass motherfucking bookstore uh, with, like, every section of books you could ever imagine like every genre of print media is available at this store so if you're a book person it's like overwhelming in the best way possible um and i had been there when i was uh out in portland looking at schools and stuff when i was younger so it's like we got to go there we got to check it out um and then the actual comedy festival was dope, man. I was only on one showcase. Here's the thing. I was only on one showcase. But that's alright, man. That's alright. Because really, the goal of the whole shit was to get out there and network and talk to people. And uh, meet people, introduce myself, and, you know, develop some connections. And that's what I did, man. That's what I did. I met people from Seattle, from uh, from Memphis, from California, from, uh, like, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Um, yeah, I met people from all over New Orleans. Uh, yeah, I met, so I met all types of real talented, funny-ass black folk from all over the country, and they met me, and now we're all linked up on Facebook and shit, and so, you know, uh, opportunities are abound. It feels like uh, it was a really sort of productive business trip. It wasn't so much of, like, an art trip. Like, you know, like, if I had gotten into a festival and I was doing, like, uh, five or six different sets, to me, that's more of, like, an art. Like, that's more me focusing on the craft at hand, you know, but I'm going only one festival, and it's mostly networking, that's more of a business festival, uh, for me, um, not to say that both aren't present at both, it's a real yin-yang situation, when you got one, you got the other, it's just like, what is, uh, being expressed, um, so, you know, I went to the Northwest Black Comedy Festival, and it was dope as fuck, man, that's the real takeaway here, um, and then the next thing, you know, I, I said I didn't want to say it in the last episode, but my next festival that I got coming up is, uh, 
the Tree Fort Festival in Boise, Idaho. I'm doing comedy for it. Uh, Tree Fort is this big uh, music festival. They sort of take over the city of Boise, man. I was just talking to my friend about this. Like, Boise doesn't have a lot of big events, but uh, they do have um, like uh, smaller events throughout the year. Um, but this is the one event that seems to really like take over the city. This seems to be like the one event that like really gets everything involved. Bunch of different venues, bunch of different things going on. Not only is it uh, the tree fort is the music festival, and then there's comedy fort, and then I think there's a food fort. I think there's like a DIY craft fort, like just all these different aspects to uh, to this one big sort of like citywide. Um, celebration sort of like i think it's sort of like a springtime celebration um anyway so i'm in the comedy aspect of that and i i think i'm doing like three shows in comedy for i think i'm on like all three days it's 26th through 29th and i think i'm doing something all three days man i think i'm doing like a at least a 10 minute set all three nights it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be fun and hopefully i'll uh there will be some more networking to be had there i know we're bringing in some real good comedians from uh from different places into boise idaho and that's gonna be that's gonna be dope man it's gonna be dope i'm gonna try i'm gonna you know what i'm really trying to do uh going into not just the festival but just like straight up every day i'm trying to carry with me a little bit of the energy that i got in that northwest black comedy festival man like like it was just such an infectious positive like we in this motherfucker we know what the fuck we doing and we good at it type energy like it was just so positive and just so great and i'm just really trying to like carry that with me uh for as long as i possibly can man uh so that was good, and I'm going to try and, like, just, uh, you know, take it with me. It was really cool. Uh, I'm back on the Northwest Black Comedy Festival just because it was so dope, man. Like, um, me and Reese met this one dude, Dante. Shouts out to Dante, um, Suit Man Productions. Uh, <laughs> this, this nigga wearing a suit, uh, I said nigga in, the, like, the most endearing, positive way possible, just so y'all know. Like, that's my homie, man. Like, we, we linked up like immediately like me and reese walked in the room he was one of the other uh light-skinned individuals uh we all mixed man we all mixed and so he saw that immediately and was like hey what's good and so we like hung out the whole whole weekend man and he's a producer out there in seattle um but like he kind of really inspired me and well him and the whole festival kind of really inspired me and reese and now we're sort of like really looking into like what we could do locally to sort of like bring out more uh more minority comedians and audience members uh so it was really lit a fire uh underneath us you know so we'll see what comes of that y'all will hear as things develop that's real just idea stages shit right now me and reese but uh you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's see. You know me. I always got, uh, you know, I always got a few things written down in my notes. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, oh, I wanted to talk to y'all of my, like, day of a show process because I was I was getting ready for that Crescent show right before, right before the festival, you know, trying to make sure I get that $26. Uh, anyway, so... I got that twenty six dollars, but here was the process for uh, 
for like my show days. Um, when I know I have a show coming up, like a big show, like I'm about to do 20, 20 minutes, even if I'm not doing that much time, like even if I'm just hosting or doing a quick like guest spot, um, if I know I got a show coming up uh, and it's within my ability to do so, I really try to stay like calm and chill the whole day. I really try to stay like clear-headed, calm, relaxed, do sort of whatever the fuck it is that I want to do. Um, I try not to like worry about too many responsibilities or nothing. I try to just, you know, just be me, do me, um, you know, just just try to keep it real simple. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's like my day of process. Like I, I don't look at the material. Um Ideally, the the so the material's been written. That's what open mics are for. Um, material's written. Set list probably already put together. Uh, set list should be put together. Um, and so day of, I might glance at it, remind myself of the specific order of things I'm doing. Um, but then I don't really look at the set in its entirety, like in my notes, um, until I'm like at the show. It's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like if you had a test, you, you do, you do the homework, open mics as a homework, you study before the test, which is like getting the set list together and looking at it and stuff. But then like the day of don't, don't, don't be cramming like the night before the test, like eight hours before the test. And you're trying to learn everything and do everything. You need to be relaxed, man. You need to be working on making sure your head's in the right place. And then, like, 30 minutes before the test, you do some cramming. Because what... I'm a fan, I'm a fan of cramming, actually. Um, but only once you have that foundation. Because, you see, what you do is you build the foundation and the knowledge that you need. This is comedy, taking a test, whatever the fuck ever. I feel like this is solid advice. You build your foundation. Right. So you, you know, you know the shit. Right. You build your foundation. And then uh, as the the day approaches the, the test, the do you know this shit, um, you want to get your mind space right. And you can only really focus on doing that if you know, you know, the shit. So that's why you got to get that foundation. You get that foundation. Uh, then you fucking get your mind right. This is so it's like you're building a pyramid and like the bottom layer is that foundation. The middle layer is getting you in your mind right and then the top, the pinnacle is you do some cramming right before the test. Right before you gotta get on stage because what that'll do is it'll put it fresh in your mind and and it'll prime you up, prime you, um, without getting you in your head. You know what I'm saying? Like without getting you too caught up in like dumb little shit, you know, like, so you, you have the foundation, and then you got a solid mental space, and then you look over the shit real quick, just make sure you got it, and then boom, ready to go, um, so that's kind of like, uh, the, that, that process, you know, um, now, uh, it looks like in my notes, <laughs> I, I wrote these notes, like, almost a week ago, I wrote these notes before I fucking left, for the Northwest Black Comedy Festival in Portland. Because um, what I wanted to do. I wanted to drop that first episode before I even left. Y'all motherfuckers haven't even heard that first episode. 
At the recording of the second episode, y'all have not heard the first fucking episode. Um, which I think I explained to y'all in the last episode what the reasoning behind that is. I want to bank up a few episodes and then, you know, release them um, regularly. So I'm, I got episode one. Episode one is done, ready to go. Um, and now I'm recording episode two. We're going to put all the finishing touches on episode two, get that up and running. And then hopefully next week we'll be able to drop episode one. And I'll re- record episode three after I drop episode one. Um, so that way we have like sort of a constant flow. And then the week after that, I'll be able to drop episode two, record episode four, episode three, we'll be getting finished that, you know, we get a steady flow going here. That's what we're working on. But, you know, I had that, uh, festival. I had to go out of town. I was sick. Um, so that kind of disrupted the whole flow that I was trying to get started. Um, so you know, but yeah, I got these notes that I wrote, and uh, it looks like I wanted to talk about current events at one point in time. Um, shit, man, y'all paying attention to the fucking presidential races? Oh god, it's getting so boring already. Uh, <laughs> like fucking, why? My main point is, why won't they just let my man Bernie run, man? Why won't they just let him do the shit? We all know it's Bernie Sanders, right? I feel like everybody is talking like we know it's fucking Bernie Sanders, but then we're going to spend several months dicking around, not fighting the fight we need to fight Bernie Sanders v. Trump. It's going to be Bernie Sanders v. a bunch of other fucking motherfuckers who don't matter. Look, I like Elizabeth Warren. I don't think she's the one. Okay, I would love to see a Bernie Warren ticket. I would love to see Sanders Warren. I think that would be a real winning combination. But here's the problem. I don't think either of their egos will allow that. Neither one of them wants to be the one to step down and be like, all right, I'll be the one to take the VP appointment and be the running mate and not be the person out front not be number one motherfucker they both want to be the person in charge they want to be the person enacting the policies not the support motherfucker because you got to understand the vice president is just a support motherfucker you can't go off playbook like you can go do shit on your own but recognize that the vice president is always following the president's playbook waiting for that motherfucker to die so that they can then be in charge of the fucking playbook um so that's that's not gonna happen you're not gonna get warren sanders on the same ticket what i think you might get though um once once the the democrats capitulate and realize that bernie sanders is the only viable option to beat trump um i think sanders is gonna appoint like somebody like fucking uh andrew yang I think, like, Andrew Yang or, uh, who was that bitch who was on, uh, Joe Rogan? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Like, it's gonna be Gabbard or Yang with Sanders, and they're gonna take over the country. Actually, yo, the Tulsi, the Gabbard, Sanders Gabbard might be just as good, if not better, than the Sanders Warren ticket. Um, just because, you know, 
people don't like that politics can be broken down into demographics, but the fact of the matter is, if you put a woman on VP on the ticket, that's going to get a lot of the women who were just excited about Hillary because she was a woman in fucking 2016. Like, there are people out there who will just vote. for uh, It's a lady! Uh, and so they'll vote, just like there was a bunch of people when Obama was running like, oh, it's a black dude, I'm gonna vote. Uh, and then they never voted on anything else ever again so it doesn't fucking matter um but there's also people there's white women out there doing that for for white women in office it's not everybody seems to do that every group seems to have like their one politician where they're like well they're fucking like me so i guess i'm gonna vote for them and really you should be looking at their ideas and shit but whatever man you do you that's fine everybody's entitled to their own opinion and that's why we're all gonna die um (laughs) um don't get me into like relativism (laughs) oh here's the thing man everybody's allowed to have their own opinion that's fine don't mistake your opinion for fact everybody here's the thing everybody's living in their own little isolated world with their own world of facts Everybody thinks they got it right, and here's the thing, that means subjective truths, that means there is no truth, but I disagree, I think there are objective truths in this world, um, the belief in the subjective truth uh, means relativism, like, uh, well, that's true to you, this could be true to me, that could be true to her, true to this other person, true to the people over there, um, and so there's no real true truth, and I find that to be bullshit, um, you'll f- hear me rant on relativism a lot in this podcast and now is not the time for that that's not what i wanted to do today um but you got me talking about politics uh who is you you is me i put it in the notes uh i i got me talking about politics what the fuck why um uh let's see what else did i want to talk about i want to talk about gaming real quick um i think that's what i'm going to do after this podcast man i haven't I have not been able to just, like, sit down and play some video games in so long, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. You grow up and you're playing video games. It's real fun. It's a little bit of a release. And the older you get, the less time you have to just fuck off and play some video games, man. So, I think I got time to do that tonight. So, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play some video games. Um, the games that I'm playing right now, uh, I play Division, Division 2, uh, it is a online multiplayer role-playing game, uh, about the post-apocalypse, and you shoot shit, and it's fun as fuck, and I love it. Um, they're coming out with an expansion soon, which is why I'm like, ooh, I gotta play tonight, get my character up to speed, so that I'll be ready for this expansion coming out in a few days, Warlords of New York, get ready, um, so, (laughs) anybody out there who's listening to this podcast who plays Division on Xbox, get at me, I need a squad, I've been playing solo since Division 1, and it's a nightmare, um, it's not a nightmare, it's just a lot harder to play that game solo, it's better if you got a squad, but, you know, I don't mind it, I don't mind playing solo because it gives me, like, this cool headspace to roleplay in, like, I'm out here on my own, you know, in the post-apocalypse, just grinding, trying to be the best, uh, most deadly motherfucker out there, um, did anybody buy Anthem? Did anybody buy the game Anthem? It was sort of a similarly structured game, like, multiplayer, RPG, shoot 'em up um, 
those are like kind of games I've been really into lately. I don't play Destiny, but like the rest of them. <laughs> so I was one of those fucking suckers who bought Anthem, which if you're not familiar with gaming or Anthem, Anthem was a giant flop. <laughs> Everybody was super excited about it, man. Everybody was super excited about it. The flying mechanic was actually really fun. And the shooting, you know, wasn't the worst shooting mechanics that I've ever played with. And, like, the, the abilities weren't that bad either. Like, the mechanics of the game were solid. But everything else around that in that game was, like, pretty much utter trash. And so it was a flop. But they're talking about doing a big rework, like a big like update or series of updates that could totally, um, totally change the fucking game, man. So I'm keeping my eye on that. Um, unfortunately, I've been getting real deep into mobile games lately. Like I said, I feel like that's what happens when you don't have a lot of time to sit down and play video games on a traditional console or PC. You end up playing a bunch of fucking games on your phone. Um... And, uh, yeah, man, I'm big into Pokemon Go, and I'm loving what they're doing with the PvP in Pokemon Go. Um, at first, you know, I thought I wasn't gonna be able to hang in Master League, but, uh, their ranking system, they have, like, sort of a two... They have like this sort of a two-layer system. Like there's uh, your rank and then the league you play in at that rank. So if you're a low rank playing in a high league, you're still um, you're still getting matchups that make sense, and you're not fighting in anybody who's like vastly superior to yourself. So good job on Niantic's part, uh, keeping the PvP competitive at all levels. Um, in Pokemon Go, that was fun. Uh, yeah, man, that you see how I just slided deep into game talk just now. Like I was just doing a full-on video game podcast just now, and that and that's what I'm saying about this podcast, man. It could be anything from comedy to video games and everything in between, and politics, man. That's what it's all about. Uh, you know, it's episode two, so I know we're still getting a flavor for what this is, but it's it's fucking everything, man. It's a little bit of everything. Um, let's see. I wanted to talk about anime real quick. Um, yo, My Hero Academia. If you're an anime fan and you're not watching My Hero Academia, I know what the fuck you are doing with your life. It is off the chain. Um, that last arc was really good. Um, about the girl with the little horn. Um, it was a really good arc. And at the end... This is what I'm loving about shonen anime is getting like so hardcore right now. Um, but in a way that is subtle, like in, in My Hero Academia, like it feels like such a light and fun show, but then sometimes I'll just have moments where like they just mutilated this dude in the fucking street, dog. Like this is a show essentially for children and they just mutilated this man in the street, like, like hacked him up. Like, and so that show is hardcore as a motherfucker, and I love it. Um, another, if you're, alright, so I was just, I was just giving my uh, friend, a comedian friend, uh, shouts out to Chris Sundberg, uh, we was talking about anime at the open mic last night, um, 
and uh, he asked me about like if I liked fairy tale, and you know I've seen some fairy tale. I'm all right with it, but here's the thing, man. If you're out there and you liked fairy tale, or you liked Naruto, or you like Yu Yu Hakusho, or Hunter X Hunter, any sort of battle magic anime, um, any sort of like uh, fa- fantasy action oriented uh if you like fucking full metal alchemist um if you like any of that shit any of that like old school original ass anime um you gotta check out black clover man you have to check out black clover okay because that shit look shit hit the fan man i'm a we're 120 episodes in there's 120 episodes available on uh, Funimation and or Crunchyroll or wherever you get anime. Um, and look, it's just it, they did a really good job of taking their time, establishing the world, establishing characters, making things like showing you things as they matter um, and not before they matter. Um, and it just a real, they did like a real controlled ramp up to like, it's again, it starts out light and fun and you think it's just chill. And then there's this extreme ramp up. And like, I feel like the back 60 episodes, like the first 60 episodes, it just feels real light, real fun. Like, like you're like, okay, I guess I could do this. This is just like a fun hangout smoke weed anime okay whatever but then shit starts getting real fam and it it just the whole pace ramps up and you start dealing with like it just feels so light and fun and then suddenly one day you're dealing with demons speaking in like elder god and fucking motherfuckers days up um and so black clover fucking check it out man um, let's see, um, oh, I was, so I'm upset I haven't been able to afford to go to the movies lately, man, I love going to the movies, and there was a lot of really good movies out in the past few months, and I didn't get to see damn near any of them, I didn't get to see Knives Out, I wanted to see Motherless Brooklyn, nobody saw Motherless Brooklyn, I wanted to see it, but fucking nobody saw it, so nobody cared, um, you know, there's a bunch of movies I wanted to see, man, that came out, like, just a few months ago, and I just couldn't afford to see them, you know, I was saving to go to Portland, I was saving to do this, or that, or the other thing, and I just, fucking, ten bucks to add a movie, and I, I can't do it, man, I was even trying to get down to the dollar theater, but it's like, time is money, motherfucker, I don't, I can't afford the time to just go sit down for an hour, which, actually, bullshit, I can I 100% could afford that. This is about making the time. And, like, what upsets me is I'm part of the problem, man. When there's a major comic book movie coming out that I really want to see, I didn't even get to see Birds of Prey. I should have went to go see that shit. Um, But, like, when there's a major Marvel movie coming out, I don't miss shit, dog. I figure out a way to go see that shit. And I need to be just as passionate about that with other cinema. Because I do love other cinema. I love all types of movies. I'm not just a comic book movie, motherfucker. But I love comic book movies, motherfucker. So, of course, I make the time and the money to go see those. Um, 
and then I'm just more like relaxed with other movies and they always end up passing me by and I fucking hate it. Um so that's that. Um And then you know, I wanted to talk about fucking woke ideology and spirituality and my spiritual journey and stuff that's all that's all extra shit at the end in case i can't fill enough time we're not gonna get into that right now there's uh some shit that i skipped in the notes what are we looking at uh oh i've been writing more i've been writing more i was writing just before this i was writing uh i think i mentioned briefly i've been working on um a graphic novel for about five years now um on and off varying degrees of intensity um and here's the thing it's not one graphic novel it's a universe of graphic novels with many different characters with many different stories um and i've outlined like pretty much the whole universe in a specific section of the timeline and I know all the different stories that I want to tell, and I'm starting with this first one, this first graphic novel within the series of many different series of graphic novels, um, and uh, just because it's the one that's best for exploring the world um, via two main characters. Uh, so I've been writing a lot, and what's been cool is, so my cousin is an artist, shouts out to Ray, uh... Shouts out to Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's an artist out there in L.A., man. And uh, he's real good. And he does concept art for me and stuff. And, like, he was one of the first pe- people I told about the, the graphic novel uh, because I wanted somebody to do some art for it. And I knew he, w- he's, he went to art school. He has a degree in art. He's a professional motherfucking artist. He does murals and custom jackets for real. Check out my cousin Ray. Uh, so here's the thing, man. Uh, you know, I do a lot of shit. I practice martial arts. I haven't been in the dojo for like over a week because I've been sick. Um, I practice martial arts, I fucking, uh, I do comedy, I write this graphic novel, and it's hard to balance all that shit, what's dope is my cousin's been, like, hitting me up every once in a while, like, hey, man, how's it going, hey, let's do this, let's do that, like, he's trying to put together this sort of, like, slideshow, a different shit, so he wants me, like, uh, sort of, like, uh, rough drafting some sketches for him and stuff, and so I've been working on that, and so just him talking to me about it on, like, a semi-regular basis is, like, really keeping me motivated, um, to keep working on the shit, um, you know, doing those sketches on stuff I've already written, but also uh, pushing the narrative and the plot forward. Um, I was just doing some editing before I turned this motherfucker on to do this podcast. Um, so far, I'm only like two major chapters in, but we're about to wrap up that first chapter. I'm going to start the third chapter. I'm excited about the third chapter. That second chapter took me fucking like, I think like a year and a half to fucking write. That shit was difficult, man. Um, I was doing this thing where I was intentionally writing myself into a corner to see if I could creatively write my way out. It was this exercise that I heard, this writing exercise I had heard about, um, And while I think it was a valuable exercise, I think it's an exercise that I should have practiced outside of my actual graphic novel and not attempted to do it uh, within that existing framework. Um, It ended up making it more difficult to write a relatively simple story. Um, 
and I had I had a purpose for that story and that arc, and while it still fulfilled its purpose, I think I think it was in a more roundabout way because of um, that practice of putting myself in a corner. Um, but ultimately, I think it worked out, and I think it's fun to read. Um, especially once I can get, uh, Ray to do the illustrations on it. It's really exciting. It was, uh, it was a zombie arc in the story. So the protagonists are dealing with zombies and stuff. And I think he's going to have a real fun time animating zombies, um, or drawing zombies, illustrating zombies. Um, he'll get to put his own flair on that. I think it'll be fun. Um, yeah. And I, I just wanted to talk real quick on the, while we're on writing, like, like I said, I'm trying to build like a whole whole universe of like characters like think marvel dc like they have like just these whole pantheons of like characters right so how do you build that um and my only answer is one at a time man one story at a time so i'm working on this one and hopefully i can get it to a point where i'm feeling real conf about it confident about it and i can uh go to the next one and start fleshing out another character and go to the next one and start flushing out another character. I really feel like um, this might be like a lifelong project for me. This graphic novel is its really shaping into what I think will maybe be a lifelong project that potentially I never see the benefits of in my lifetime. Like it might not get published till after I'm dead and then it blows up because I'm dead and like some shit like that. But hey, fuck it, man. Um, here's the thing. I came up with this story when I was like in sort of like a dark time in my life. I just failed out of college in my first semester. And so I was writing this story almost as like an escape and also as like sort of a, like, I'm still doing something, you know, like I might not be in school, but I'm still pursuing something. And so I was working real hard on it back then, uh, doing like outlines every day and thinking about the characters and doing like rough character sketches and um, figuring out like what they carry with them when they go on missions and shit and a bunch of background. And I was working on it severely. And so like I have this world and this universe of characters in my head and all these characters in my head. And so when I go a little while without writing or working on it, even though these characters haven't been published, no one else knows about these characters, I feel guilty. I feel guilty inside that I'm not doing justice to these characters that I that I created, that I gave birth to. It's like, like I have to work on it. Otherwise, it's never going to get done. It's never going to be ready. And the world never gets to hear this story that I came up with. Um which is like doing a disservice to the story itself, which is which is it's always a weird thing to think about that I feel this sort of loyalty to a story that I came up with that only I have heard. Um, it's weird. I think that's like like what it is as an artist when you create something. That something is like kind of like your baby, you know, like you created it. So. Um, you know, I want to make sure that uh, I nurture this thing and it grows and one day is maybe successful because it's my baby. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's my uh, writing struggles. Oh, cooking, man. I've been cooking a lot more. I've been cooking at home a lot more. Um, and I've been having to work more in the kitchen. Just money's tight. 
Uh, and I got catering coming up right before Comedy Fort on the 15th and the 14th of March. Um, I'm going to be catering. Uh, here's the thing, man. I grew up watching in the Food Network, and I've always been into cooking. I've always loved cooking. Anybody in my family will tell you that. Whew. But recently, man, I was really, I was having, like, I was losing my passion for it. I was feeling real, like, because, you know, I'm super into comedy, and I'm super into, you know, my writing and, and practicing martial arts. And so being in the kitchen feels like, you know, that's what I do for money. And so it was taking on, like, sort of this grimy, weird feeling that wasn't satisfying, um, but then I just want to real shouts out and I kind of want to talk about, um, the Bon Appetit YouTube channel, man. The Bon Appetit YouTube channel, like fucking rekindled my passion for cooking, man. Like they made it fun again. Like I remember growing up with the Food Network and how fun the Food Network was. I feel like Food Network fell off and, uh, where they fell off, fucking BA picked it up. <laughs> like, like, cause they're killing it, man. They're killing it over there in the BA test kitchen, and they they've rekindled my passion for uh for working with food and cooking, and like uh makes me really uh, uh appreciate that my day job is also like sort of a creative endeavor, even though sometimes you're not fully in control of the creativity and stuff. But like, still, it's real cool to be able to cook and have that be like your your main thing, you know, it's, it's a real cool skill that not a lot of people have, and you gotta remember to value your skills, man, like, as a comedian, as a cook, um, I often find myself maybe undervaluing myself as, like, an artist, but you gotta remember to value yourself highly, man, because if you don't value yourself, other people aren't gonna value you, if you don't, you know, you, you set your value in the marketplace not other people that's the common misconception is people think that other people determine your value nobody determines your value but you motherfucker um you know they might appraise your value everybody gets to have their own appraisal of you but your true value is determined by you um so you know just fucking get at it man i forgot where i was at I'm not going to lie, I took a wee nap before I started recording this. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, I, uh, cooking is making a resurgence in my life, man. Cooking is definitely making a serious resurgence. Um, and then, alright, so there's one more thing that I want to talk about before we get into, like, super rant territory about, like, woke shit. <laughs> and, uh... My spiritual journey, spiritual intellectual journey, that's all coming up. But uh, before we get into that, I want to do one of them bonus segments I told y'all we was going to do. Uh, we're going to do that fucking movie, man. Um, for this, for this, that movie, um, we're actually not going to be comparing movies or rating movies or review, reviewing movies. Actually, we might do a little bit of rating, but... Uh, I want to go through my uh, MCU watch order with y'all. I want to go through uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Infinity Saga watch order. Because um, 
I feel like that's um I feel like that's something people haven't started talking about a lot yet, but it's something people are going to talk about more in the future. Like people talk about watch orders for Star Wars and stuff. Um I think people are gonna be trying to figure out like the best way to watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially when we get to the point where there's like people who saw the whole Infinity saga, um who then had children um and want their children to watch the whole infinity saga um you know with them because they saw it when they were kids and they want their kids to see what they saw um so as time progresses and that happens uh people are going to be wondering like what is the exact proper watch order so uh what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go grab uh i should have had it in my notes with me before i started recording but i'm gonna pause recording real quick and i'm gonna go grab my mcu watch order and we're gonna talk about it all right cool hold on real quick all right and we're back um so i got my mcu watch order right here in front of me uh and we're gonna talk about what is the most uh appropriate way to consume the Marvel uh, Infinity Saga. Uh, the first, I think it's like 23 movies of the MCU. Um, so, here's the thing. I'm going to go through this watch order with you. And we'll talk about ratings at the end. We'll talk about how I felt about each one. Like, we're going to go through the order... I'm going to explain the order and why the order is the way the order is. Um, and then uh, we'll go through the order again with me giving my rankings on the movies. Sound good? All right, cool. So here we are with a bonus segment for that podcast. We're doing the, that movie. Um, so here we go. MCU watch order. Number one. Iron Man. That's the start of the MCU. Um, I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. That's the first one. That's the way it starts. Hulk. In my notes, next to Hulk is a question mark. Because here's the thing. You could probably get by with not watching Hulk. But why the fuck would you? Um, because uh, Edward Norton plays Hulk in this one. And so a lot of people forget that this Hulk movie is actually part of the MCU. But what's really important is uh, General Ross is in this movie. Uh, and he continues to be a part of the M MCU. So you want to you wanna be familiar. Also, they do... Here's the thing that I was shocked by in my rewatch of all this. Because here's the thing. My uh, my friends Brett and Ty, uh, they were behind on the MCU, and so I sat down and watched it all with them and got them all caught up, and that's how I developed this order. Um, and so I was uh, I I've seen the MCU once through the way everybody else did, like as the movies came out, and I've seen it all the way through again, um, sitting down and watching it with my friends. Um, so I've seen at least every MCU movie twice, some obviously much more than twice. Um, 
But when I sat down to watch Hulk again with my homies, I realized that Hulk has a lot more connective tissue to Iron Man and the early MCU universe than motherfuckers, I think, realize. Like, there's Stark Industries shit in there, and of course there's that, it's not a post credit scene, but there's that scene at the end where Iron Man comes in and is talking to Ross and is like, what if I told you we were putting a team together? Um, and, you know, Avengers tag um so hulk is cool he fights abomination in that movie i'd love to see abomination come back in the mcu um what is the name of that fucking actor the dude he's from he's from pulp fiction uh that little rat face looking motherfucker uh uh that dude played the soldier who got turned into abomination uh you don't need to get him back it'd be fun to get him back you don't need him back abomination is just a cgi monster uh who fights hulk who is a cgi monster um (laughs) so but i think getting uh abomination back could be fun okay so we go iron man hulk those are your first two movies second movie iron man 2 um I don't know why Iron Man 2 is right. I think this is, at a certain point, it's just the way the movies came out. It's the way, like, chronologically. This is partly, like, just the way that they came out, but also some interference on my part. Um, Then you got the first Thor movie. I'm more of a fan of the first Thor than I think most people. Then you have Captain America 1, Captain America 1, solid movie. Everybody likes Captain America 1. Uh, so that's like the first phase of the MCU. Iron Man 1 came out fucking strong. Hulk was good enough. Thor was good enough. And then Cap was a little bit better than good enough. I don't know if it was as good as Iron Man 1. And I don't know. Iron Man 2 was also kind of good enough. Like So it was started off real strong, and it ended real strong, and it was good enough in the middle, which gets us to Avengers 1. Um, now, Avengers 1 is the Avengers movie. Like, it's what proof... It's the, it's the proof of concept, you know? Uh, that's a real fun movie. I like Avengers 1. Uh, next in the watch order all right here's where things get a little bit crazy um and i have to explain some shit after avengers one i want you to watch captain marvel now for those of you who know the mcu you're like that's fucked up and weird because captain marvel doesn't come out until much later in between infinity war and endgame well here's the thing motherfucker um there should be nothing in between infinity war and endgame those movies should be watched concurrently back to back from one another because it's dope as fuck i know because i watched it that way i've watched it everything in this order and i gotta tell you i enjoyed infinity war and endgame a thousand times more the second time through when i gotta watch them fucking back to back than fucking waiting a year in between with bullshit i didn't care about in between um So, after the first Avengers movie, watch Captain Marvel. Why also? Because a lot of Captain Marvel has to do with uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury prior to the events of Iron Man 1 in the 90s. And so, that gives you, like, 
because going forward into phase two, shield is much more of a presence, like in uh, Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron. Um, those are pretty, um, pretty big players, uh, Shield and Hydra and uh, Nick Fury. So you know, though it's cool to have that backstory right before you go in and all that. And here's the only thing: watching Captain Marvel after the Avengers. The first post-credit scene links directly to Endgame. So you got to skip that shit. If you're watching it with people who haven't seen it, you need to skip that shit. That's what I did with Brett and Ty. I skipped that shit, and then you just watch the fun post-credit scene in Captain Marvel where the cat throws up the Tesseract. Um, and then in between Infinity War and Endgame, because it's only like a minute and it'll take you f- seconds to do this, you could watch that post-credit scene where Carol shows up uh like where's fury um while they're all looking at that pager and it'll make sense um there but it won't make sense uh after avengers um the only other thing is also you have to remember who carol danvers is after avengers one um by end game that's why it also helps to save that post credit scene and just pop it in the middle in between infinity war and end game as if the post credit scene for Captain Marvel is actually the post credit scene for Infinity War. That's what you're doing here. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself talking about Infinity War and shit. It goes Avengers. So it goes Iron Man 1, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, Avengers, Captain Marvel. Um, save that post credit scene for later. Uh, then we got Iron Man 3. Which is sort of kicks off the uh, phase two. And then you got Thor the Dark World. I think everybody agrees. The worst Thor movie. Um, maybe the worst MCU movie. Honestly. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but then they fucking knew that. They knew that that was the worst one. So they fucking put it in end game and made you care about it again and so it's like revisiting it is like more enjoyable now than when it first came out and so is it like they retroactively made their worst movie better how the fuck do you anyway (laughs) uh iron man 3 throw the dark world then guardians 1 and here's the thing right after it guardians 2 those movies are meant to go together that's the thing about this watch order is you put the movies that are meant to go together fucking together um and work around the rest you know so guardians 1 and guardians 2 in the timeline those movies happen like weeks after each other so and so you know just watch them right next to each other um and then just remember the guardians when infinity war and endgame come around it shouldn't be hard to remember you love the guardians everybody loves the guardians um then after guardians 2 we got uh captain america winter soldier here's the thing man everybody loves to suck this movie's dick uh Everybody thinks this is the best movie of all fucking time, of all superhero movies ever, and I fucking disagree. It's a great movie. I love this movie, but I'm sick of people riding this movie's dick. It's not as good as everyone makes it out to be. It's perfectly fine. It's one... It. The Captain America trilogy is maybe the strongest of the original Avengers trilogies, 
um, probably because of this movie and, but then also Civil War. Like, here's the thing. Captain America 1, fine. Okay. Captain America 2, great. Dope. Captain America 3, the fucking shiznit. It's a steady ramp up. And so if you... People pretend like Winter Soldier is better than Civil War. It's fucking not. I'm sorry. Um, anyway. <laughs> Remember how I said we weren't going to talk about rating them until we got through the whole order first? Um, anyway. Guardians 2. Captain America 2. The Winter Soldier. And then uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And that's your phase 2. Now. Kicking off into phase 3. We got Ant-Man 1. Um, That's like your palate cleanser after Age of Ultron. Because Age of Ultron is kind of... But then Ant-Man's fun, funny. Uh, Then you get Captain America Civil War, which is like fucking just Avengers 2.0, man. Captain America Civil War is just like... This is an Avengers movie, but... uh, Contractually, we are obligated to not call it an Avengers movie, so it is a Captain America movie. Like, it's it's fucking a... Watch that movie and tell me that it's about Captain America. That movie is about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Iron Man, and Black Panther, and Spy... Like, it's about so many different Marvel characters. It's the introduction to Spider-Man... Um, it's, it's an Avengers movie. Anyway, after Captain America Civil War, you do Spider-Man Homecoming. Why do you do Spider-Man Homecoming? Here's the thing. At this point in the watch order, you have some options. If you wanted to do Black Panther after Civil War, you could. It's like, which character do you want to follow up with? Do you want to follow up with Spider-Man or do you want to follow up with Black Panther? Because both those characters were introduced in Civil War. So you can watch either of those movies right after Civil War and nothing is lost. Um, We decided to go with Spider-Man first and then Black Panther. I can't remember why. I think it's because Brett and Ty just really like Spider-Man. And I fucking really like Black Panther. um, But I think chronologically in the timeline spider-man might actually like i think spider-man might take place a few weeks after after civil war whereas black panther takes a few months after civil war i'm not entirely sure on that don't hold me on that but uh yeah and then after those two you go dr strange um dr strange I think chronologically comes at a different point, but you want him down here closer to the movies right before Infinity War and Endgame. So when all that shit craziness is happening, um, you know who Doctor Strange is and why he's important. Um, So you do Doctor Strange, and then I believe the next one is... ah. Thor 3, Thor Ragnarok, best Thor. Um, This one ends with, like, sort of a tease to Infinity War, um, which is fine, but that's not the next movie you're going to watch. Because here's the thing, Infinity War and Endgame have to happen together, and there's two movies in between. Two 
movies. You have Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp came out in between these movies, and they shouldn't have. They should. These movies should be fucking back-to-back, man. So what you're going to do is you're going to go Doctor Strange, you're going to go Thor 3, and then you're going to go Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so here's what that viewing is like. Thor 3 ends, and that ending is actually kind of ambiguous. If you don't know that Infinity War came out right after it, you don't know that that end leads into Infinity War. Um, When you put on Infinity War, that's when you realize that you're picking up with Thor at the beginning of that movie, um, at the end of his last movie. But... Um, what watching Ant-Man and the Wasp after Thor 3 before Infinity War does, which I think is kind of fucking cool. This happened by accident. Um, I didn't design the watch order this way. This is just, this fell into place like this. Um, at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, you have that sequence where, uh, Scott is trapped in the quantum realm, um, because he goes down there to get, uh, like some quantum energy to help out the ghost chick, right? Um. But then while he's down there, um, Hope and uh, Hank and uh, Hope's mom uh, are all snapped. But if that's your first time watching it, you don't know that that you just know they turned to dust while he was in that motherfucker. It's a real cliffhanger if you haven't seen Infinity War before. Like, Ant-Man and the Wasp ends on a total what the fuck if you don't know what's happening. But then you watch Infinity War, and by the end of Infinity War, you understand what just happened at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Half of everything is gone. Um, And I think that teaser... And then the movie showing Thanos go on a rampage and then understanding what the dusting was, I think brings a level, an almost an extra level of impact. Don't get me wrong, the, the snap is already super impactful, but I think like seeing it and not knowing what it is and then understanding what it is, like really it puts you in the shoes of Scott Lang. Really, it puts you in the shoes of Ant-Man. Because, like, some shit happens and you don't understand it at all. And then, next movie, you fucking, you figure it out. Next movie for Ant-Man is fucking Endgame, not Infinity War. But you get what I'm saying. Like, this movie, you don't know. Shit just went wrong and now you're stuck. And then, you watch the next, you're in the next movie. And then, you understand what the fuck happened. Um, and the movie after that, you solve what the fuck happened. Anyway, so just so we're clear on phase three, Ant-Man, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Thor 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, okay? Now you're in prime fucking time baby these are the movies that matter this is what we're here for this is what the whole ride was fucking about infinity war and endgame back to back motherfucker put them together watch it all unfold and try like not to pass out from the dopeness that is in front of you um I fucking love Endgame so much, man. I love it so, 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 so much. Fucking, when he says Avengers Assemble, 
every time, every time it elicits like a physical response from me that I'm kind of embarrassed of. Um, anyway, after you watch Infinity War and Endgame, you gotta watch the um, the epilogue, the epilogue of the Infinity Saga, which is Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's the cherry on top. That's like the like. Like, digest what you just saw, motherfucker. Um, so, that's my MCU watch order. And now I'm going to go back through real quick and just give you guys my ratings on uh, one to five stars. Iron Man 1, uh, four stars. Looks like I got it on four stars. Because that shit is what popped it all off, man. So, you got to give respect where respect's due. Hulk, three stars. Better than I remember it being. That's why it gets three stars. Iron Man 2, two stars. Here's the thing, man. Uh, I think it might be the weakest of the Iron Man movies, unfortunately. Um, It does some cool stuff, but it suffers the problems of having to set up a lot of things um, for Avengers. You gotta have Black Widow in that movie, and yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't really like the relationship between Tony and Pepper in that movie. It, yeah, it's it is what it is. Thor won three stars. It holds up. Um, it wasn't. I mean, the best to begin with, but it holds up. It is what you remember it being. Um, Captain America won three stars. Pretty solid. Um, Maybe like three and a half stars. Because it's better than Thor, but I don't know if it's as good as Iron Man 1. Um, Avengers won five fucking stars. Because it's the shit. Um, No questions, no comments, no concerns. Avengers won five fucking stars, bitch. Um, Iron Man 2. Or Iron Man 3, sorry. Uh, Iron Man 3, also two stars. Here's the thing. I don't like the Iron Man sequels. I love Iron Man 1. Um, and Iron Man 3 is a little bit better than I remember, but I couldn't give it three stars. Maybe two and a half stars because it's better than Iron Man 2. But it nothing touches. Like, Iron Man's best work is in Iron Man 1 and uh, in Avengers 1 and in Civil War and then in, in Endgame. Like, so, he really shines in the team-up movies. Like, his first movie, and then the team-up movies is just what Iron Man is. And that's not a bad thing. We all love Iron Man. We we love Iron Man 3000, motherfucker. Um, so, as I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just what it is. Um, then Thor the Dark World. Uh, this is the one movie on the list that gets one star for me. It's just not... It's just not on par with the rest of the MCU. It's just not. It's not a bad movie per se. It's a fine. It's okay. It's fine. I didn't hate rewatching it, but like, it's just the next movie is Guardians. What the fuck do you want me to say? Like, it's not. It's just not as good as the rest of the MCU. Um, Guardians one, three. Three stars. Some people might be mad at me for that. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Yeah, I'm going to give Guardians 1 and Guardians 2 three and a half stars. 
Right now they're both sitting at three uh, in my notes, but I'm bumping it up to three and a half. I don't like it as much as like my four star right now is Iron Man. I don't know if I like it as much as that one, but it's close. So like maybe like three point seven five on Guardians and Guardians Two. Um, Captain America: Winter Soldier, solid three. I'm not moving it to three and a half. I'm not moving it to three point two five. It's a solid three. Everyone needs to get off Captain America with Winter Soldier's dick. Look. A lot of cool chest kicks in that movie. You can't be swayed into loving a movie off chest kicks alone, motherfucker. Look, it's... <sighs> I'm sorry, I had to take a minute. Everyone loves the Winter Soldier so much. and I'm like, I get it, it's good, but people talk about it like it truly elevated superhero cinema in a way that it didn't it is not the dark knight of the mcu i'm sorry it's not it's not it was never gonna be like fucking marvel fanboys elevating that movie beyond what it's worth um avengers age of ultron 3 Solid three. It's the weakest of the Avengers movies, Age of Ultron, so it gets a three. Um, Ant-Man, three. Utterly enjoyable, but not super, like, important. Or, like, it's, just, it's all right. <laughs> like, Ant-Man's fine. I like Ant-Man. Um, four stars. Ooh, I didn't talk about Captain Marvel. I gave that three stars. Anyway, where were we? Fuck. Captain America. Civil War. Four stars. You heard me. Why doesn't it get five? Um. Good question. Captain America Civil War. Five stars. Fuck it, nigga. I was worried about being, like, overall too generous. But fuck it. I love that movie. Five fucking stars. It's really good. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, four stars, good, but not like that top tier that I super love, maybe like 4.5, because that scene, here's the thing, that scene in Spider-Man, where Vulture brings the building down on Spidey, and Spider-Man's in the rubble, and like, he's being crushed, and like, he can barely breathe, and he's like, sort of panicking, and like, he sees his mask, like, like, he sees, they do some cool camera work with like, his reflection and the mask and stuff, and like, like, he becomes his own hero, like, he's psyching himself up, he's like, come on, Spider-Man, come on, Spider-Man, like, that moment, ooh, it fucking gets me every time, okay, yeah, that's a 4.5, that's a 4.5, like, cause, that moment, when Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man in order to save himself, like, oh my god, the poetry of that moment, it was... Ugh, it was so fucking beautiful, man. Um, okay, Black Panther, also four stars. I fucking love Black Panther. I have a great bit about Black Panther. It Black Panther was a shit. If you didn't like Black Panther, you can fuck right off. Killmonger, one of the best villains in the Marvel MCU. Bottom line, point blank bottom line. 
Um, then Doctor Strange, I have sitting at three stars. I feel feel like that should probably be three point five because it's a little bit better than the other ones we have sitting at three. Um, it's got a lot of really cool visuals. Um, there's nothing I can say to complain about that movie. So three point five. Thor three, Thor Ragnarok. Four stars, 110%. Revitalized the character. Loved it. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, three stars. It's fine. Uh, the Ant-Man movies are fine. The Ant-Man movies are, like, appreciated as, like, the palate cleanser of the MCU. It's like, it's like, look, this movie is, like, of the same caliber as all the other movies, but the tone is slightly more comedy, slightly more family, slightly more, like, just laid back. And so it's welcome when it shows up, but it's not, it's not one of the ones that has me on the edge of my seat. Maybe Ant-Man 3 will buck that, that, like, uh, status quo. Maybe Ant-Man 3 will be the Ant-Man that gets four stars. Um, just like Thor 3 was the Thor to get four stars. Um, and then we got Avengers Infinity War, five stars, fuck you. Uh, Avengers Endgame, five stars, fuck you. Um, they're both great. I'm going to love them till the day that I die. Uh, never going to not love them. They are sweeping and epic and beautiful and fuck you. They're great. Um, and finally, Spider-Man Far From Home, four stars. There was a real compelling plot with Mysterio and all the, uh, the tricks and the stuff they did at the end. Spoilers revealing his secret identity. That was all, that was all dope, man. That was all dope. Loved it all. Okay, man. So here's the deal. That was that movie. We talked about the MCU watch order. Um, and I got a couple more things in my notes that we could talk about. We could talk about woke politics. We could talk about my spiritual and intellectual journey in this life. But here's the thing, man. I've already done about an hour and like fucking 17 minutes uh, of fucking talking to you people, man. <laughs> not like I don't love it. Not like I'm not enjoying doing the podcast. Second episode shouts out that fucking podcast with host that uh, that fucking guy L J Sullivan. Um, you know, but uh, episodes is an hour, man. Like that's my obligation to myself is at least an hour, and we're already seventeen and a half minutes past that motherfucker. So um, you know, I'm gonna sign off. I'm going to sign off, and we're going to call this good. Um, thank you for listening to the second episode of that podcast. We're going to be back next week with episode three. Um, some of the topics that I was talking about, uh, the woke shit and the spiritual shit, will uh, likely make an appearance in episode three as I begin outlining that episode. So uh, stay tuned if you were real excited for that. Um, and you know, you know the fucking deal at the end of this shit, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you love about shit, 
Um, word of mouth is the most powerful marketing tool there is. Um, thank y'all for coming and hanging out with your boy, LJ Sullivan. Uh, if you get a chance, come see me in the Tree Fort uh, Comedy Fort Comedy Festival uh, out here in Boise, March 26th to the 29th. Uh, and that's everything, man. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. It's been your boy, LJ Sullivan, and peace out. Much love.